we're like in his room laying on his bed and he like we like start to make out and I'm like oh my god this is terrible and I like feel so uncomfortable like I could tell that like my everything changed and I started to get like quiet and I didn't really want to like talk and I kind of just wanted to like dip Hey, Lana. Hey, Sean. Great to see you. So great to see you. How are you? I'm good. Real real quick before we get started, can you introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Alana Dunn. I am 27 years old. I live in New York City, and I am the host of the podcast, Seeing Other People, which is all about helping you feel more empowered and less alone in your dating lives. Nice. And today we are going to just answer a whole bunch of questions about dating. What is dating? What uh, dating is? So you can also ask me questions. Dating is um, connecting with people with the hopes of developing a romantic relationship. I like it. What do you think? Merriam-Webster approved, in my opinion. Yeah. What is your definition of dating? Something that can go very, very, very wrong that we make way more difficult than it needs to be that can really impact our mental health and our sanity, but could also end up being great. Yeah, I think I think the idea is that it's supposed to be fun, right? It is supposed to be. And I think there are many ways that it still could be. But I actually think that just the way modern dating has kind of unfolded, at least over the last like 10 years, it's kind of sucked the fun out of it because there are so many more things that can go wrong. And there are so many more things involved that make it like more stressful. Like what? Wait, what's stressful about dating? Oh, you know... Just <laughs> trying to find your person when there are a zillion people out there and dating apps and ghosting and love bombing and gaslighting and all of these words that we didn't know existed a few years ago. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. None of that stuff existed when I was younger and dating. Um, yeah, I agree that it it can be really challenging. It can be scary and it can be frustrating. I think a lot of people suffer from dating fatigue, but feel like they need to just like power through it to meet their person. And I feel like that's not a great place to be connecting with people from, you know, if you're feeling fatigued. Totally. Or if you're feeling like you need a break, but you're, you're like, oh, well, like I have to push through because if I take a break, like I think that's the biggest problem is people always do feel fatigued and burnt out, but they don't like our culture doesn't really leave room for you to prioritize yourself and take breaks because you feel all this pressure to meet that person to get to that next step in your life. And if you put it on yourself to like take a break, even if that's like the right thing for you, then in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, well, now I'm going like further away from the timeline that I want to be on. And it's going to take even longer to get all this stuff to happen. I'm going to fall even further behind my friends and everyone I see on social media. And I think that's a huge problem. Yeah, it's almost like as if meeting your special person is not a linear process. Yeah, what a concept. I think if it was linear, it'd be easier for us to say, okay, do these things, you meet this person, you get to these steps, and then boom, happily ever after. And it's just not that, in my experience, that's not how it's happened. Definitely not. And I think also, you know, you can't just say like, oh, I'm going to go on 100 dates. And in those 100 dates, I'm going to meet someone. It's like, you have to learn and grow and change and experience things and have your heart broken and date people who aren't the right person for you to for you to realize what you are actually looking for and what kind of partner you want and want to be for someone. 
I feel like if you did go on a hundred dates, you could definitely meet a bunch of people to have a successful, happy relationship with. But yes, you could, but would you? Like, that's the thing is like, you could build a relationship with so many of those people, but you know, you might assume that because they didn't respond to your texts like within a few hours that they're not interested. So then you're going to wait a few more hours and play that game. And then it's going to fizzle out because you're both playing games with each other. And there goes somebody who's perfectly great for you, a great option out the window. Good enough. I think we should strive for good enough, good enough. not like perfect. I agree. Right? I was thinking about this, I- this idea of how I have a tendency to optimize for everything in my life. You know, I want the best housing situation. I want the best girlfriend. I want the best, you know, career stuff. And it's like, what if it was just good enough? Mm -hmm. You know, what if it was just like two out of three, you know, it was just good enough to build something, you know, sustainable and satisfying, not the best possible outcome. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, one of my close friends is graduating from medical school this spring. And as she was trying to choose what she wanted to do, like her residency and what specialty, she's been like, she's always been the smartest person in the room, like the most brilliant, the most driven. And everybody knows that about her. And she chose a specialty that really surprised people. And she was like, yeah, you know what, I decided like, I don't need to overachieve for the rest of my life. Like, why can't I just achieve? I don't need to be a neurosurgeon. I've done the equivalent equivalent of that for 27 years. Like, why can't I just achieve and actually get to like live my life? And I'm like, yeah, that's really true. And good for you for figuring that out. Yeah, I think we, we'd all be better off if we applied that to relationships as in like, yeah. is this good enough? I'm not saying like settle for something bad, right? Of course not. Don't be with mean people. Don't be with people who mistreat you. But like, we don't always need perfection. And because, well, you know, perfection doesn't exist, really. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah, we'll, never ach- we'll never achieve relational perfection or find the perfect partner. But I like good enough. Good enough. All right. Let's answer some questions. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Some of these are gimmies and some of these we're going to, you know, unpack a little bit. But this one seems pretty obvious. Um, I'm still friends with my ex. Okay. Uh, When is it okay to start seeing other people? I don't think one has anything to do with the other. It shouldn't. (laughs) It totally shouldn't. Like, okay, great. You're friends with your ex. I mean, if you are just friends with your ex, then you should be seeing other people. But if you're staying friends with your ex in the hopes of getting back together with them, then A, you're not just friends with your ex. And B, that's why you're asking this question because you don't think you can start seeing other people. Yeah. If you're friends with your... If you're legitimate friends, then there should be no issue with you seeing other people. Yeah. None. So, so my 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 like litmus test with uh, four whether you're ready to be friends with your ex is if, if you're okay hearing about them dating other people. Yeah. That's the litmus test. You can be friends if you're genuinely happy for your ex to be dating other people. Yeah. And and if you are, good for you. I've never been able to successfully do that. Trying to be friends with my exes has been a complete shit show and I will never try it again. But for well, anyone who is capable of it, I applaud you. I mean, I'm capable of it. Just, just not the most recent. The the most recent one, you need space from, right? Mm-hmm. And I've I've taken the six month no contact with all of my exes, and now I'm happy to say that I'm friends with three of them, and I'm you know I know their partners, and I'm I'm happy to talk about their love life and all that stuff, right? So that means I can be friends. 
it probably was the six months of no contact that allowed you to do that. It might have had something to do with it. Yeah. But the whole transitioning to friendship right away seems wildly unrealistic. You can't just snap your fingers and stop having all of these deep feelings for somebody. That's not possible. Well, You can pretend, but it's not real. Oftentimes, one person will fall out of love, right? And Mm -hmm. so they're in a better position to be friends. And usually the one who got broken up with, normally, if you were like sort of going to generalize, is the one that's going to need some time to transition from that kind of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Cool. We we did it. Go date. Spread your wings. Fly. Yeah, go date. Go date. Yeah. And and hopefully your your ex is happy with, with your new dates. Yep. Um, okay. So easy. Where do you find dates other than apps? That feels like a pretty common question that I get a lot. It's a, such a common question. And I feel like people make it seem so much harder than it is. Like, right. go out to places and be open to having conversations with people. Ask your friends, ask your coworkers, ask your family members, hey, like, I, and, and if it's like, this is something that is, it can be a little bit scary to do, but all you have to say is, like, hey, like, you know, I'm not really feeling the dating apps right now, but I really would love to meet somebody. If you or someone you know have someone in mind to set me up with, I'd love to go out and date with them. You just have to be open to actually saying yes to the person that they suggest. I'm open to being set up. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, step one, be open to being set up. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think a lot of people aren't open to being set up. So that's number one. And number two, I I like what you said that, you know, we are overcomplicating things. I think we overcomplicate everything. Literally, if you want to meet people, like if you look around, there are people everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs) But okay, how do you approach these people? That's, I think that's, I think that's the underlying question, right? On dating apps, it's easy. For the most part, if you're on a dating app, you're open to going on a date, you're single, you're looking. What about all these other people in your daily life that are just like kind of walking around grocery store, gym, cafes, restaurants, like parks, dog parks? Like how do you approach them and even find out if they're available to go on a date with you? I think again, it's it's simpler than it than we make it. You know, you can if it's somebody, let's say you run into somebody at a coffee shop all the time or at the dog park that you bring your dog to, you can strike up a conversation with them, start to get to know them, like have have an actual conversation. You don't have to jump to, hey, like, do you want to go out on a date? You can actually talk to them and see if you're interested in them. Um, or you if you do want to jump to it, you could just say like, oh, like I like would love to grab coffee or drinks or something sometime soon or like this might be out of the blue, but I think you're really pretty or I really admire this thing about you. I love your sweater. I want to grab a drink. You just have to ask. You have to start the conversation and see if they are open to the conversation, if their like body language and the words that they're saying are saying, yes, continue to talk to me. You know, like I think you'll know very quickly if they shut you down and don't want to have this conversation and kind of pick up on those social cues and, and see where it goes. Do you think that asking someone for coffee or drink is enough to signify that it's a date? Absolutely. In that situation, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I think if it's someone like a coworker, no. Coworker will have no idea if this right. is a date or if this is like, oh, they just want to like make better friends at work, like whatever. But I think if it's somebody that you're just meeting, you're approaching, I think it is very clear. Oh, interesting. Do you, you disagree? It's not that I disagree because we don't ever disagree on anything. So I don't want to start now. But <laughs> uh, I I would say something like I'd love to, to go on a date with you to make it even That's more cool. clear. Though I have heard that younger generations find that too forward. 
they would prefer something that's a little bit more ambiguous. So a drink or a coffee is a little bit more ambiguous. We sort of kind of both know what's going on, but we're not outwardly saying it. Whereas the want to go on a date with me is maybe too direct. Uh, As a spokesperson for the younger generation, can you, what, what do you have to but say? But hearing you say that, that makes me want to say, well, then screw what I said. Like, let's all be direct because it's the ambiguity that messes with our heads and that makes us second guess and overthink and drive ourselves crazy and never get to where we're trying to go. So yeah, in that case, mention the word date, be upfront. Okay, well, now I'm changing my tune because some people have said that they don't know if they want to go on a date because they don't know the person yet. So they would need coffee or drink to see, is this even a date? And you know what? I think sometimes you can go into coffee or a drink not knowing if it's a date and then at the end decide for yourself, yes, this was a date. No, this wasn't a date. And you could check in and say, hey, was this a date? This is feeling like a date now. I've done that before. I've totally done that before. I've gone into it. like I've gone into dinner having no idea if this was like a friendly catch-up or it was someone I'd gone on dates with three years prior. I'm like, I have no idea in the world if this is like we're networking because we kind of do similar things or if it's like a friendly catch-up or if it's a date. I have no idea. But you know what? In that situation, that, that wasn't the time I asked. Towards the end of the date, I still didn't know. And after the date, I still had no idea. And was it a date? I to this day, I don't know. We still don't know. We should, can I, we, can you, <laughs> we should find out. Let's bring him on now. And look, Alana, we've got a su- special surprise to do. We have the guy that you weren't He's sure here. About. He's here. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, so what we're saying is that there is room for ambiguity. There is room for directness. Let's not overthink it. If you want to go out with someone, just ask them to do something. Yeah, and do what feels right for you. If you don't want to be too upfront or you don't want to scare them away, you want to take the coffee drinks approach, great. If you want to be upfront, like you really, you know, you want to go out with this person, just say, I'd love to take you on a date. Dinner date. Yep. There's the, there's the coffee drinks and then there's the dinner date approach. Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> okay, so, but also where else can we find dates? So we've said like, oh, dog park and grocery store or, or coffee shop. But like, are there other places that you can meet people? Oh, absolutely. I think every city, every town, every community has so many different activities. Like you can do sports leagues. I have friends who like would sign up for kickball leagues, not because they cared about kickball, but just because they wanted to meet more people. I think things like that are really great. I think one of the best places that you can meet someone is at a wedding. If you're going by yourself, there are going to be single people there of your desired sex who you could meet. But again, you have to put yourself in the position to do that. You have to have conversations with people or you have to say to your bride or groom friend, like, hey, like if you have any, I know the day is crazy for you, but if you have anyone in mind that like you think I'd be a good fit with, let me know. I'll, fi- I'll find them there. There yeah. are so many places you can meet people. You just have to put yourself in the position to do so. I like the wedding suggestion. I feel like that's more of a one-off. You know, it's not like you can't consistently be going to weddings. I mean, if you do. Fair. <laughs> uh, but I like the fact that you you bring openness to all events. Uh, I also agree with you that every city or town has activities, mm-hmm. right? Meetup.com, uh, badminton. I have heard of a lot of people getting together through kickball and like mm-hmm. any sort of like beer-inspired sport thing. Um 
there's like a drinking club here, like where you just catch up with people. Like, like I think it's like drinks for thirties or something, right? For thirty, fun. Yeah, I love that. So, and what my friend met his girlfriend like literally his third week in town. Wow, at one of these meetups, right? So, I think go to these things. Hopefully, that where you there's like new people that come in on a regular basis. Totally. I think another place somewhere like a bookstore where you know you're going to have similar interests as somebody else. Like, you know, people love going to bookstores or especially like bookstores with coffee shops to like go read, look at different books. Bookstores also have different types of events. Um, I actually tried to encourage a friend of mine to go to a books a bookstore was hosting a speed dating event, which was like perfect for her because she's she doesn't like to put herself out there too much. The dating apps haven't been working and she's very like emotionally intelligent. She loves to read stuff like that. And I was like, this is perfect for her. So keep an eye out for things like that. But again, you have to go to them. You have to go to them. Amazon Prime has not figured out how to drop ship a boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, lover to your house. No. Nope. Yet. Yet. Not yet. Maybe they should hit us up, have us help loop us in on that project. But then we would have to work with Jeff and we don't want to do <laughs> that. No, pass. <laughs> okay, so yeah, you got to put yourself out there. We know this. Uh, resist the temptation to just stay home and watch another three episodes of Outlander. Yeah. For example. No, it's very tempting. Yeah, you know, go on the date or, or, or go try to find a date. And then if that doesn't work, come back, watch the Outlander. It'll be there for you when you come back. Okay, how do I know when it's time to make it, quote unquote, official? I think if you're asking the question, you're not there yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think more often than not, you know when you're at a point with somebody where you feel really comfortable, they're feeling like they're your person, you know you don't want to look anywhere else and the thought of them possibly considering other options at that point is upsetting to you also. And it's just clear, like this is what I've been looking for, what I'm looking for right now. And I want to see it through. Um, I think if you're questioning any aspect of that, then maybe you're not ready. Interesting. Interesting perspective. In my experience, uh, I find that to be true. Uh, my personal experience is that uh, on the second date, I was ready. So if I think back on my four past relationships, the first three of them on the second date, I was like, I'm done. Like, wow. I know. And that's not probably what people expect of me. I'm a like commitment dude or uh, casual sex and nothing in between. Like, I don't know how to date casually someone for many months. Uh, in a sort of ambiguous situationship. Like, I'm just not good with that. You, How did you know, though, on the second date? Like, what were those signs for you? Or what was telling you, like, yes, be all in on this? I was like, just... Ex I, I don't know that I was all in, but I wasn't interested in dating other people. Mm -hmm. I was happy to just explore this to wherever it led. And I didn't need any other distractions. Um, there was definitely some, I don't want to say like mind-blowing chemistry because I don't think, I don't think that's necessarily true, though it has been true in the past. Mm -hmm. um, so some curiosity, some connection, some excitement, uh, being really attracted to them, 
uh, them having similar goals and values, looking for the same thing. And, but all of that wrapped into like, I'm very excited and interested in this person. I have a question for you. Okay. Do you know who Tinks is? Oh, the name rings a bell, but no. Okay. She's an influencer, great girl um, in her 30s. She has this thing called the box theory. And it's that every guy puts a girl into one of three boxes. The girl is either a friend and they would like never consider anything romantic, sexual, anything like that with her. A hookup where they would never consider dating her, but they want to hook up with her. Or a person to be in a relationship with where they want to date them. They do not want to just hook up with them. They don't want to be friends with them, but you're in one of three boxes and you can never move from box to box. Once you're in a box, you're in the box. What are your thoughts? I mean, I hate it, but I kind of agree in my experience. I I, I really, I like resist wanting to agree with this uh, because that means that things can't develop from like a hookup or something casual to something more serious. But in my experience, it never really has. Yeah, me too. Um, so yeah, I put them in boxes. I try not to. And I even tell people, don't put people in the partner box because you don't know if they're partner material. And here I am putting people in the partner box. On the second date. On the second date. Yeah, I remember uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine, Cara, it, I think we dated like six, seven years ago. And we had a great first date. I invited her back. We we met up at a lesbian bar in San Francisco, the right spot. If you know, if you know, you know. Um, we both ordered soda waters because we didn't. I didn't. I don't drink, and she wasn't drinking. And we had like a really fun time. There was a piano player. It was like, you know, we were cozied up at the bar. It was really cute, super cute. And then I invited her over to my house for tea. Can I can I ask a question? Backing up. Why yeah. did you choose a lesbian bar for a first date location? I think she she picked it. Okay. And it was in my neighborhood. Okay. And she was doing yoga in that neighborhood. She picked the right spot. All right. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, yeah I mean, a power move? I'm not sure. I don't know. Who knows? Non-thre- <laughs> non-threatening, for sure. That's true. Um, I invited her over and I asked her if, we, if, uh, if I could kiss her. And she said yes. And later she said that she had wished that I, I hadn't asked her and had just done it. We'll have to unpack that a little bit. Um, and then on our second date, we met up at a park and she said, hey, what happened to your OkCupid profile? Because I wanted to show my friend and I, found, I saw that it was like gone. And I said, oh, I, well, I, I turned it off. Wow. And she goes, Why? <laughs> And I said, well, because I met someone that I want to continue to see. And that's the whole point of the dating mm-hmm. app. She was like, she was like, okay, wait, is that me? And I go, yeah, it's you. <laughs> and she goes, well, look, I just got on these dating apps and, and it's like I'm kind of having fun. So I'm not ready to turn mine off. And I go, oh, I would never expect you to. Go ahead, have fun. Like, knock yourself out. You're not going to meet anybody like me. And two weeks later, she was like, you're right. That was... Not as fun as I thought it was going to be. She also probably loved how confident you were in that. She did. Yeah. And then she invited me to spend the night that night. She was like, I'd really like oh, for wow. you to come over and spend the night. Yeah. And not um, ask if you can kiss me again. Well, it, interestingly enough, we talked about this recently, maybe like six months ago, because we talk maybe like on a weekly basis. Um, because you're friends with your ex. 
because I'm because you did yeah. 60 days no contact we months. did we did do we did do a lot of no contact after the breakup um and she said that she's changed her mind now she prefers people to ask huh what changed her mind on that just uh, wanting to feel safer and feeling that asking is just as confident even or if not more confident than the lean in you know yeah i also think it became more normal over covid just because of health mm. concerns um i feel like i've i've had guys ask and i don't mind either way um i think there's something like endearing about them asking like you know they want to they're going out of their way to make sure like i say yes and love that consent is great um I think that, uh, yeah, I don't think it's it's made a difference either way or it's made me sad that they did ask or wish that they asked or not asked, you know. Have you ever had somebody lean in and you not want to kiss them? And then that's why I oh, ask. Oh. Well, that's the problem. Okay, I've totally had people lean in and me not want to kiss them, but I kiss them anyway because they've leaned in. But I have also had guys say, can I kiss you? And I'm not, I don't want to be the asshole that says no. Oh, you, but you ha- you're supposed to say no. I don't know how to say no to anything in my life. It's a really big problem. It's actually like something I'm working on right now with like boundaries and and life. (laughs) I'm going to gift you access to my healthy communication course. There's a whole session on saying no with love. But it's so hard. It is hard. It is hard. But saying no to someone is saying yes to yourself. And I feel like that's the most important thing, right? Yeah, it is. I've gotten better at saying no to plans with my friends because I've just learned that I agree to way too much and sign myself up for way too many things that I do not want any part in. But I guess I haven't learned to say no to people kissing me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the plans thing is like you, you eventually get resentful, you know, at not having any spare time for yourself. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. So yeah. How do you say no to someone kissing you? I mean, I guess you just sort of have to say like, yeah, sorry, I'm not really feeling it right now. And then sit there with the awkwardness. Oh, that's so bad. I know. Is it worse than having a bad kiss or kissing somebody you don't want to kiss though? Oh, no. Oh, my God. We can die. We can go. I can go off about this for hours. Um, Well, it's tough because, well, you don't know yet. If if it's the first time, you don't know if it's going to be a bad kiss or not, but... No, I actually, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. I went on a few dates with somebody a few years ago where I like thought they were super cute. Like our dates were great. I was, I looked forward to them. Like we had a really, really great time. We clicked so naturally. It felt really good. And our first kiss was like, he he is someone who did ask on a street corner if he could kiss me goodnight before my Uber came. And I said, yes. And like the kiss was not great. It was not good but i was like okay it was like our first kiss like no big deal like awkward street corner kiss like it doesn't have to be magical or normal or good um but like went on the second date second date was again like great date and i'm like feeling nervous about like i know we're like gonna go like have a drink at his apartment after because it's like nearby and we talked about doing that and i'm like a little nervous because of the first kiss thing i'm like no big deal like it was probably just first kiss so we're like in his room laying on his bed and he like we like start to make out and i'm like oh my god this is terrible and i like feel so uncomfortable like I could tell that like my everything changed and I started to get like quiet and I didn't really want to like talk and I kind of just wanted to like dip and he was like no like stay over like we don't have to do anything I'm like no it's like I kind of just want to sleep in my own bed and I struggled so much with what to do because I we were trying to plan our third date and 
I like needed to buy myself time to make this decision. And so I like canceled, like rescheduled. And then it comes time to like pick out the date spot. And I said I would pick the spot because I was looking up on the map where a like exactly like equidistant restaurant from both of our apartments was so that there would be no easy way to like go back to his. And I wasn't going to invite him to mine. And I was like, you know what? Like, this is not fair to this kid. I have to, I have to call this off. And so I, I messaged him and I was like, look, like, I hate to do this the last minute, but I feel like I really see us more as friends and I would not want to like lead you on further if I, this is how I feel like it's not fair to you. But like, he was a really great guy and that I felt like such an asshole for that. So you said you wanted my, my feedback on, or, or you had a question for me. What are your thoughts? Like, what does someone do in that situation? Should I have tried to like... No, I think if you're... I don't know. I've had a similar experience with a fantastic woman who's age-appropriate, who, you know, other than the fact that she has a cat and I'm allergic to cats, that, that's like kind of... It's not a red flag, but it's like kind of a shitty situation for me. It's not a red flag. It's kind of a deal breaker. It's not like... a red flag. It's a deal breaker. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Are, are you also allergic to cats? I'm very allergic to cats, yes. I went to the hospital once because my eyes, the white of my eyes puffed out so much that I couldn't blink. Oh my God. And when I got to the hospital, the nurse the nurse went, ew. And I was like, yo, nurse. <laughs> You're not, they're not allowed to do that. Bedside manner is bad. You get a D, all right? Yeah. So, so that doesn't work for me. Um, I think, I mean, if you tried twice, you had the first kiss, you had the second makeout, I think if there's a, a big lack of sexual compatibility, you don't have to try to make it work. Yeah. You know? And you did the right thing by saying, you know, hey, I'm not, I'm seeing this more as friends. Although, did you stay friends? That's what I want to know. I would have loved to. I would have loved to be best friends with this kid. But no, of course we didn't stay friends. I also, I know like someone, we had like mutual connections and I was informed that he was like really upset after, which I felt badly about. So then I, I tried to do a do a good deed where a few weeks later or like a few months later, a friend of mine matched with him on Hinge and she saw that we were like, mutual friends or something. So she asked me about him and I was like, Oh my God, he's so great. Like definitely go out with him. He's wonderful. Like, you're going to love him. <laughs> so I tried she, to like, she did, but it just, it, it fizzled. It didn't go. Did they make care. out? That I don't know. I don't oh, know. Okay. Guess what, Alana? She's here on the show. So is he. And we're going to get to the bottom of this. Cause I'm curious if he was just a bad kisser or if it was a compatibility thing. Oh, no, you know what? You know what? The story, can, how did I forget this part? I talked to a friend like that like months later and it came up because she went to college with him and she was, she told me and she was like, I've never told anyone this, like, don't repeat this. But like, when you kissed him and I was like, oh my God. And that that was eight years ago. She made out with him like their freshman year of college. And I'm like, okay, you know what? That makes me feel better because if in eight years, like it's been consistently bad and it hasn't changed like there was no improving the situation. So that's interesting because I also think that like I've made out with people where we have just the same, or same makeouts, yeah. same makeout style. Like it is just boom. Did we go to the same kissing school? Like right. what's up? Are we, is it, and is it a graduate program? I think it is. Um, and then other people, it's like, it's just, you know, what's going on there? It's so weird how there are so many different styles, but nobody talks about it ever. Is there a standard? I don't know. 
Wow. We might have to do some like polls about this. <laughs> I think so. It's so hard though to also describe kissing style. Yeah. I you feel know, like maybe like, like some gifts about of different kisses would help. Like, I don't know. I feel like I, I'm always hyper aware of the kissing on The Bachelor. And I'll see him kissing so many different women. And some of the kisses are very different. So you, I'm like, okay, so like this woman is leading this one. But like, I don't know which his kissing style is because how would I know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting. Yeah, you'd have to be the neutral kissing party and, yeah. you know, determine. Okay, wow. I mean, I had How'd a friend kiss here? once. I forget what the question was. Um, something about making Meeting it official. Meeting people? Making no, it official, yeah. official. Uh, I had a French kiss one with a French kiss once with no tongue, open mouth, no tongue. Sounds hard. Impossible. Yeah, no, I've, I've like, had that too. I've had that too. Where's the tongue? And then I've and then but then you which is that's almost that's better than the polar opposite where it's like tongue stuffed in your mouth down your throat. I've never exp- uh, okay, that's not true. I have I have experienced that, just not a lot. Thank God. Yeah. No point now. Okay, next question. (laughs) Uh, This is a gimme. When is it a good time to say you don't want kids in the future? Right from the start, as soon as you can. Yeah, put it it on the app. Doesn't want kids. On Hinge, don't want kids. Put it on there. Don't waste your time. Don't waste their time. You want to attract the right kind of people who are also going to not want kids. Yeah, it's like, it's also like fine to not want kids. Totally. There are a lot of people out there who also don't want kids, but go date them, not people who do want kids. Yeah, that won't be fun okay. for anyone. Okay, good guidelines for pre-first date chatting. How long? How often? So this is like a little bit connected to the talking stage. Mm-hmm, definitely talking stage. Wait, so, first of all, can you define the talking stage? The talking stage is the period in which you ha- either haven't met in person or you've met or you like made out once maybe at a bar or something and then got each other's numbers and are flirting, trying to get to the date, but you haven't gotten to the date yet. And you're trying to keep each other interested. You're trying to not text too much, but not not text enough and text like the right amount and like the right wittiness in each text. And you're probably playing a lot of games and timing out your text, even though you shouldn't be talking stage. That's the talking stage. Wow, I'm that was not a thing for me in in most of my life. I mean, it's so still lucky. not a thing for me. I wish okay, I were so, nothing at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a it's like an earlier generational thing, like a millennials and what's after millennials? Gen Z. Yeah, is that those are the cool kids, right? Everyone loves the Gen Zs. Depends who you're talking to. Where are you? Are you in the late? Early millennial? I'm technically a millennial. I was born in 1994. My personality and my interests are, they definitely dabble in Gen Z. I I think I'm a Gen Zennial in some situations, um, but I'm technically a millennial. It depends who you ask. Also, it depends who I'm talking to. Like, I could be in a room of Gen Zers and they would have no idea that I was not one of them. Right. And I'm an elder millennial. I'm on the late, late. You know what? Stage. I, I think you, I, I'm envious of how you grew up and the amount of technology and social media that you grew up with. I think you grew up with the perfect amount, and that it never should have gotten any further than that. Totally. I had AOL. Yep. AIM. You know, mm-hmm. like we would chat, BRB because I'm going out to skate. 
you know, like had a pager for a long time where we, we would page each other pager code. One, one, four, three, man, I love you. Um, eight, three, one, man, thinking of you. Oh, so we, I know. I want that. <laughs> we would spend hours on the phone, but like the like corded phone, you know, I had the, the Garfield phone. phone. Oh my God, you I didn't had, know if someone else was listening in. And, and like, it was too late to call sometimes. And my mom would take the phone away from me, like rip it out of my room. Yep. And I couldn't use the phone. Um, but yeah, I think I'm grateful for, for the amount of technology that we had. And the fact that there was no social media. Yeah, I think also you learned probably to communicate better because you actually had to like communicate. And if you wanted to talk to someone, you had to like pick up the phone and call them and use your words rather than sending texts that could be read in many different ways, you know? Uh, We had to often ask if like Jennifer was home. Yeah. Like talk to the parents. Yeah. I had to do that in middle school. It was scary. So that's uh, that's interesting. One of my most popular posts or most shared and most saved is something along the lines of like, if you have something important to tell someone, like don't text them, call them or do it in person. 100%. So, you know, little love notes, logistics, hey, how are you, whatever, do it over text. But if there's something, if you have to set a boundary, if you have to talk about something emotional, you know, and I just wrote that really quickly and didn't really think about it. And one of, that's one of my most popular posts. But if you read the comments, I'm getting slandered left and right. How? More than half of the comments are saying that that is a very ableist, neurotypical response to communication. And there are hundreds of messages comments from people saying, no, I need written proof of the boundary so that I'm not gaslit, so I'm not abused by a narcissist. You have no idea how hard it is out there. So I feel like there's a huge disconnect from that piece of advice to like how people are actually using communication nowadays. Yeah. I mean, well, I think part of that is this culture that it's like, well, Oh, like you say you're you're gaslighting me. You say you said that, but I have receipts. Like I have receipts that you said something else. And like, no, but like my whole group chat has that receipt. So don't even try to say you said the other thing. Like, I feel like it's the world we live in now. It's like all about proving that somebody said something or that the reason you feel how you feel is because of something they did or said. So they want to be able to justify it. But like, that's toxic to begin with. Like, that's a whole slew. That that means there are a whole slew of issues underneath whatever is happening. But no, I, I am completely on your side. Like, pick up the phone. And you know what? If you don't feel like you can pick up the phone, then that's not a relationship you should be in. Well, I'm going to, okay. So I, I agree with the whole proof thing. Like if you need to just, or if you need to prove to someone that you're being gaslit, then maybe that's not someone you want to be in a relationship with. Like, you know, I also want to be honest, like I don't have a lot of experience with abuse or toxic relationships. Like all my relationships have been fairly healthy. Not to say that I didn't like self abandon in some ways or that she didn't ask for her needs because she was scared. Like there was, there are unhealthy dynamics to all relationships, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But none of them were, unhealthy or toxic as a whole. So I don't have a lot of experience with people needing to bring up, you know, old texts 
to say that I said this and they said this and and X, Y, and Z. So in that respect, I, I agree. I'm also want to be sensitive to people who uh, have ADD or have a lot of anxiety and who just can't communicate in person because they get flooded emotionally yeah. and they don't know what to say and things sort of spiral and they can't like compose their thoughts. So I do want to leave room for people to just text because um, that's just easier for them. Mm-hmm. Like. I'm sympathetic to that as well. And I also know that there's a lot of benefits if you're in a loving relationship. There are a lot of benefits to having these conversations in person or on the phone because you can get tone, color, context. You can have eye contact. You can hold each other's hands. You can actually like co- like regulate each other's nervous systems, which you don't get on text at all. There's no co-regulation happening whatsoever. Totally. No, and I agree with you. And of course, like being conscious of like not everyone is able to do certain things. But at the same time, I feel like it's like I am someone who has been in really toxic relationships that have been filled with manipulation and gaslighting and cheating and all of the things you don't want in those relationships. And just having that background, like obviously now in with a lot of hindsight and growth and learning from it, like I know that any situation where I feel afraid to say something to somebody is not a good situation. But I also have a lot of anxiety and some of these conversations are really scary to have and really difficult to have. But if I am actually like building a relationship with somebody, that somebody needs to be the type of person who is going to be patient with me. And if it takes me an hour on the phone to say something, to say this, the thing or an hour in person to get out how I'm feeling or me having come with like five pages of written notes about what I need to communicate to them, then like that is the, that's the type of person I should be with, not somebody who won't be patient, won't put up with that. So I do think it's about finding someone who you can communicate with. This was about the talking stage. Again, how did we get here? But 100% uh, find someone who can deal with your quirks. Yeah. Your challenges, your issues, whatever it is that you're struggling with, you know? Um, okay. So I guess we, you know, what are the good guidelines for the pre first date chatting? Like how long, how often? So it's actually interesting because I remember when I was at Hinge, they did research that said there should be 10 exchanges before you move off the app. That's it. You should not talk like more than 10 messages back and forth before either exchanging phone numbers or planning a date. That being said, I know I've also talked to a lot of daters. I've done a lot of like Instagram polling and research that shows like everyone is fully split. Some people want to talk for a week before and some people want to not talk for more than five messages and just want to get to the date. I think... Getting off the app is important. I think once you exchange phone numbers, it's way more real. It's way more likely that you will go on a date. I would limit it to a week max of texting before at least having a date planned for the following week. Otherwise, the longer you text, the more you build up this idea of this person in your head and have all of these high expectations and think that they're the one and put them on a pedestal. And it's more likely than not that you're going to be disappointed because they're never going to meet those expectations that you created of this like fantasy version of them in your head. Yeah. And even I think this applies to even if it's people that you didn't meet on an app, you know, like let's say they're a friend of a friend or you met them at the pool hall or whatever. Um, talk for a bit and then ask them on a date. Yeah. You know, whether you're whatever, regardless of your gender. Yeah. If you want to go on a date with them, ask them on a date. I don't think that men need to 
stand back and let the man lead. You know, like if if you want to ask him on a date, just ask him on a date. And, and listen, if girls, if you if you ask a guy on a date and they say no, like you can't ask. I I I wasn't ready to ask yet. Like, what are you doing? Like, if I've never heard that happen. I've literally never heard of a girl asking a guy for a date and the guy shutting them down because they asked. Well, but they might shut shut him down, but not tell you why. I think that's the fear. The fear is that you're going to come off too forward and they're going to be like, nah, I'm not into it. You know, when when maybe if they had waited long enough, he was going to do the thing. But then you know what? Bye. See you later. Okay. On to the next. That's not the person you want to be with. That's the guy who's going to tell you that your job is in the kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, because you didn't let him do his job of changing the oil and asking you out on a date. Yep, exactly. And if that's what you want, by all means, but not for me. Right. No judgment. If you want a more like traditional sexist. (laughs) (laughs) Next question. All right. Next question. Um, Okay. Hold on. I wasn't, I didn't plan for this. Um, Oh boy. What are reasonable expectations when you start dating? I, I, I feel like a breakdown of expectations is probably really useful to a lot of people. So what are reasonable expectations when you start dating? That's a really good question. I think that the concept of expectations and the concept of like what we're settling for and what we want from someone has been really skewed over the years where it's like, oh, when I start dating someone, I want them to be like going above and beyond. I want to feel like I'm the most important person. Like I'm the only person in their world. Like I want to feel like X, Y, Z. I want them to be doing X, Y, Z things. And if not, if they're not doing that, then that's not good enough for me. I think the better way to look at it is like, I want this person to be treating me well and making me feel comfortable. And those are the green flags. If you don't feel so anxious, like for me as an anxious dater, anytime I like, there's a clear difference between a lot of guys I dated and how anxious I felt with them in the beginning versus Jake, who I've been dating for over a year now and how I felt so calm and so comfortable with him in the beginning because he was communicating. He was straight, like so much straightforward communication. Like I had a great time. I'd love to see you again. Like when can I see you next week or when you're back from visiting your parents? And his communication allowed me to not feel anxious at all and to feel like myself. And so when we dated, when we started actually like continuing going on dates, four, five, six, seven, eight, and beyond, I the most important thing to me was that he was meeting, he was continuing to meet those expectations of making me feel safe and comfortable. And I think that's the biggest thing you should be looking for. Yeah, agreed. I, mean, I think I would, I would call that, are, are they kind and respectful? Yeah. And it's going to look different for everyone based on what your past experiences are and what does work for you and what doesn't for, work for you. But like, if you are starting to date someone and you feel like they're not communicating enough, like try communicating a little bit more with them and see if that rubs off on them and they start giving that to you back. Or if you're not hearing from them and you're a little like nervous, you don't want to not hear from them on an entire like Saturday night, like you're getting like actually worried, like let them know like, Hey, like I'd love to hear from you a little bit more. Like just because like I care about you and it makes me nervous to not hear from you and see if they're receptive to that. That's cute. Some people would say that that's like clingy behavior. But you know what? Then it then it's not a fit. It's not a match. Yeah, and someone kind 
and respectful will be like, yeah, sure. I don't mind checking in with you on Saturdays as long as it doesn't conflict with their needs of, you know, autonomy or freedom or whatever it is that they're wanting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's, I agree with you. There are a lot of expectations out there. People have high expectations about how they should be treated because they're kings and queens and they deserve the world. And it's like, okay, sure. The higher your expectations, the fewer people will be able to meet them. And the more you're going to be disappointed. And the more you're going to be alone. Yeah, that's right. You're going to be disappointed because no one's going to live up to it. Yeah. So can we just like, can we dial it back a little bit and look at people who are kind and respectful and nice and fun and for that to be enough? I think now. That, that, that applies to like first dates also. You know, someone DM'd me who's like a an old friend of mine who like we just like would network sometimes. And he DM'd me last night saying that he was going on a first date for the first time in two years and asked what advice I had. And I was like, I, I think the biggest piece of advice I could give you is like, don't put too much pressure on the date. This doesn't have to be the best first date ever. This person that you're going on a date with, yes, it's your first date in a while, but they don't have to be the person for you. Don't go into it with such high expectations because that's going to put a lot of pressure on the date and you'll likely end up not feeling like it went that well. But instead, if you can go into the date thinking like, I want to have a good time tonight, then you'll probably leave the date feeling like you had a good time. And if if that happens, then that's a win. And if there's a connection on top of that, if you get to a second date, anything else is a bonus. Just see if you enjoy spending time with them. Yeah. That's all it is. That's what a date is. That's literally, yeah, that's, that's dating. Yeah. Spending time with someone to see if you want to spend more time with them. Exactly. And eventually get naked. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. That's it. Dating. Um, Yeah. I remember I had this list of all all the things that I wanted my ideal partner to be. And on one of, one of the items was rock climber, you know? And I'm like, man, yeah, I was talking to my therapist about this and she's like, you know, don't you think that, you know, could be a little limiting because now (laughs) you're looking at like only people who rock climb. Right. And so we came up with has a sense of adventure. Exactly. Way easier to find someone who has a sense of adventure. So if you find yourself with this list you know, must be this tall to ride, must make this much mo- money, wants to live like this, wants to have this many kids. Like you're limiting yourself significantly. 100%. One of my best friends, she's really smart, um, but she wants somebody who like went to an Ivy League school. And I'm like, you like, and she very much limits herself. Like all of her filters on her app, all of her filters in real life, like this checklist that she have that she has like, she has so few potential people that would actually meet those things. And you know what? The people that would meet those things, I don't think she would actually like them. And so I'm constantly trying to push her being like, you don't actually need somebody who went to an Ivy League school. In fact, you might end up meeting somebody who didn't go to college and they might be your person. Like you can't limit yourself based on these like superficial things because you also don't want someone limiting you based on those things. Like we're way more than our resumes. We're way more than our salaries and the place we grew up in and how tall we are. Don't get me started on how tall we are. Ugh. Is that what's... I want to get you started on how tall we are. Mo- like m- most of my friends who are girls have just as many other girls do like, oh, like I need someone who's six foot or above or like they're setting their dating app like height limit to like 5'11 and above. It's like half of men in the world are under five, seven or five, eight. And these girls are like five, two. They do not right. need to date somebody who's over six feet. It's ridiculous. Right. 
Well, it's it's about image, I think, and status at that point. But like, <laughs> it just doesn't yeah, make sense. I mean, I'm I, no. I'm grateful to, that I'm six foot, so I'm I'm I meet a lot of filters. <laughs> actually, when people meet me in person, they're like, "Oh, you're actually tall. You're taller than I thought." Because <laughs> people only see my head, you know. Yeah, my head head and shoulders. That's funny. Um, but I, I do agree that there are superficial filters that don't really matter that much, and. If I were to put all my ex-girlfriends on a dating app, you know, in a profile, I'm not sure that I would have swiped right. After my last breakup, um, I remember a few months later, I got back on dating apps. And um, at some point, like a month or so into being on the apps, I was swiping. I was on the subway, I remember, and his profile came up. And I, like, at first I was like, oh, no, like, this is what I was dreading. And then I, like, clicked through it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I never would have swiped right on this guy had I seen him on an app. Like, we would never have been dating. And it just goes to show, like, how much we judge people based on the apps. Like, how much sometimes, like, you you make so many assumptions based on someone's pictures or what they do, what their job is. And you really end up ruling out so many amazing people who you could actually be really compatible with just because their profile says this thing or doesn't say that thing. And, and that's even if your filters allow you to see those people's profiles. So loosen the filters. Loosen the filters. Even if it feels like as a woman, you're drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> exactly. And for guys, it's like a like a like one of those water fountains that only dribbles like a, ha- a quarter inch of water. And you're like, I got to put my mouth all the way on this. That's how it feels for most men to be on dating apps versus the fire hose. Tough out there. Um, okay, man is super affectionate when we're together, but appears distant when we're not together. I'm not sure what the question is, but I think we can extrapolate. Yeah, you know, I think that's something where clearly it's bothering you, it's upsetting you. And it, for me, for example, I dated somebody um, before the pandemic where he, in person, it was amazing. Like, I felt like this is connection is great. Like, this could really go somewhere. These dates are amazing. I can't wait for the next one. And then, yeah, exactly the same situation between the dates. I would not hear that much from him. I'd start questioning, like, oh my God, does this guy even like me? Like, am I going to see him again? And in between dates, I was so anxious. I felt like this guy must hate me, never want to talk to me. I don't understand, like, what the, what's going on here. But it's, it felt just completely different between the dates versus on the dates. And so after our like third date, I brought it up to him. I was like, are you just like the world's worst texter or, or what's going on here? Cause I like have so much fun on our dates and but, like, I don't want to like be annoying by bringing this up, but I, I feel like in between the dates, like I feel like you hate me and it's just like making me like really anxious and overthinking, but like, I have so much fun with you. So I just wanted to kind of know what's going on there. And he was like, Oh, like, I'm so sorry. I never, intended on making you feel that way. Like, yeah, I don't text that much, especially during the work week. I'm just like not looking at my phone. And I was like, oh, okay, like that's really great to know. And he was like, but if it'll make you feel better for me to text you more, I can totally do that. And overnight, he became such a great texter. And it was so comforting to me not to just like have that answer that like, oh, like he didn't hate me these past few weeks in between the dates. But it was like, oh, like this guy actually does care where I expressed something that was uncomfortable to me and that was making me feel anxious. And he instantly showed that he can cater to that and show up for me in the way that I need. I love that. I mean, it takes courage to be able to bring that up. Yeah. And I think what I'm seeing is that people just say, well, fuck it. You know, he's just not a good fit. He's not he's just not that into you. And it's over. 
and they'll just disengage completely without ever, ever having a conversation. And there's a lot of talk about these red flags. And I go, okay, well, a red flag is an opportunity for you to connect about something that you want to be different. Yeah. Like what, what do you have to lose by, yes, it's a little bit scary to bring that up, but it's good practice at communicating about hard things. And what do you have to lose? They're either going to say like what this guy said to me of like, oh yeah, like I'm not a good texter. I'm sorry. Or they're, if they say like, yeah, like that's, that's the most I can do. You're not going to hear from me more Then again, that might be an answer that this isn't a fit. Yeah. Or maybe you can sit with your discomfort and you can realize that uh, they do like you and they have expressed that they like you and the the time that you spend together is great and magical. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you don't need as much offline communication as you thought you did. Maybe you can explore what that actually looks like. Sitting with the discomfort of not always getting daily validation and affirmation that someone is head over heels for you. Totally. It's hard, but it helps you grow a lot and can help make you even a better partner in if it's this relationship or the next one. One other thing that I would do is I would like text a friend sometimes being like, oh, like I haven't heard from him. Like, what's going on? And and I would always, I would do the same friend. And look, not every friend is going to want to be that person that you text when you're not hearing from this person that you like. So choose your friend wisely and make sure they're like down for it. But um, my one friend, Sarah, was always here for it. And so whenever I would text her that I was anxious that I hadn't heard from someone, um, she would most of the time say like, Alana, this happened yesterday. And guess what? You heard from him or like this happened last week. And I know it doesn't feel good right now, but you heard from him. And every single time you felt this way, you have heard from him. It might not be as fast as you want to, but he's given you no reason to think that you're not going to hear from him. And just to have someone like that to kind of put me back in, like just kind of ground me was really, really helpful because also it made me feel less alone in what I was going through. And it made me feel like, oh, Sarah's right. I I did always hear from him. Like I am maybe being a little bit silly or maybe I don't need to be freaking out as much as I am. Yeah, look at the... I mean, it's great to have somebody in your corner, of course. Like it takes a village not to raise a ch child, but to like, you know, be an adult in this world. And that includes having people in your corner that can support you and give you loving words and... Uh, when you're not getting them from the object of your desire. And also to look at the data, right? This person likes me. They show up for me. They're kind. They're respectful. They're not perfect. They don't text me as much as I wish they did. But there are so many other great things that they do. Yep. You know, and I need to remember all that stuff. I mean, I've been anxious before. I remember an ex-girlfriend a long, long time ago, Megan. And this was the early stages of our relationship. And, and I send her a text and I would be, and she was busy. She, she was working for like a Senator in California. I can't remember Barbara Feinstein. I'm bad. Or I'm bad, bad Californian. Um, she was busy. She couldn't be texting all the time. Yeah. And I, and I was working from home. I wasn't even working. So I had all this time on my hands wanting to be entertained and I was so anxious until I heard from her. And that's not on her. That's on me. Yep. Not on her at all, right? So I had to like develop friend groups, people to talk about, trusted confidants, and for me to ask for what I need from her, which wasn't, you know, hourly communication, but just some, every now and then, some words of affirmation. Her telling me that she loves being with me, you know, X, Y, and Z. Totally. I had a similar situation. Um, I was dating somebody who had an insanely busy job, like traveling 
nonstop, like up all night working. And there were some days where he literally like didn't have time to like pee and would have to hold it in for like eight hours. And I would get like at first I would get upset. It was really hard for me to not hear from him. I definitely wasn't used to that. But we got to we kind of worked it out where like I as long as I heard from him by like the end of the day, him just saying like had a really busy day. Like, I'm sorry, I couldn't talk to you. But, like I was thinking of you. Or like giving me just like an update on how his day was and just saying like, I hope you sleep well. Like anything like that just made me feel better. It's like, oh, like he didn't just forget about me. Like he's busy. Like he's actually busy. But it is nice to still hear that one text today, even if that's all I got. And that was a really big kind of learning experience for me where it was like, I can be okay with less communication as long as there's something that is reassuring me. Yeah. And you asked for what you wanted. Yeah. Some, and, and you, I mean, you know, it's, it was less than what you wanted, but it was enough to do the job. Yeah. You know, and, like you said, no, nobody's perfect. No relationship is going to be perfect. You're going to have to make compromises. You're going to have to learn and grow. And I think that's really important to realize. And if you're feeling extra anxious, get some of those CBD gummies. Yeah. <laughs> CBD Mindset wellness. wellness. <laughs> Mindsetwellness.com. Wellness. Code seeing other people. No. There you go. I, I literally have them right here. I'm upset. I want some. Are they any good? Yes, I'll have them send you some. I got nice. you. I got you covered. <laughs> I literally know, Sean, you don't understand. Like, I actually think they helped my dating anxiety. Like, I'm not even kidding. I don't just say that because I work with them. Like, I say that because I mean it. Like, I take them every day and I feel great. I mean, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to test them out. In yeah. Other anxious. I'm not an anxious dater, but I'll test them out in other anxious scenarios. Um, yeah, help yourself while you're there. Yeah, are they tasty too? They're like they are. I t- I just took a happy gummy, so they all have different like mindsets. There's like calm. There's rest. There's happy. There's focus. I just took a happy. Be happy. It's like me eating like Flintstones vitamins, not because I need them, because they taste like jelly yep. beans. All right, let's do one more. Um, ugh. This is okay. How, you know what? Let's just go. Let's go with something hard. How do you what? know when something is over or just needs work? Realistically speaking, I'm not sure what realistically speaking means. You know, I I think taking part of that question is the answer. Like try the work and if the work doesn't work, then maybe it's over. And are you both working? working together as a team, right? I, I feel like a relationship, one of my definitions is like two or more people working towards a common goal. Yeah. Right? Whether that is to build something together or to have children or to be like partners in crime or activity things, like that's a relationship, right? Um, even friendships, like the common goal is companionship and someone to do stuff with and someone to share with. Yeah. So are you still working towards a common goal? And are you both doing that Even, with the idea that sometimes you'll have to do more than they will, yeah. but everyone's aware of the fact that you're doing more and, and eventually it'll be my turn to pick up the slack at some other point, right? So there needs to be some awareness around the work that's happening and of the challenges that we're facing. Yeah. And, and yeah, just check in, like, maybe you've done the work, but have they, or are they aware that you're trying to do the work? Like, it's something where if you think there might be problems or you think something might be getting into that, okay, maybe this is not going where I thought it was or maybe this should end territory, but you want to give it a chance. Like, 
those are conversations that you need to have. Like you need to sit down and say what's maybe not working and how you both can work together to fix it. Um, I had a really awesome recording recently with Elizabeth Earnshaw. Um, she's Liz listens on Instagram and she's a couples therapist. And she, I asked what, what are some signs? Like if a couple walks into your office or into the zoom room, like what are some things that can help you identify from the start? Like, is this going to work out or not? Or like, is it already over? And she said, by seeing if both people are like truly invested in working together to fix it. Sometimes one person is like totally in there of like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to fix this to get us back to a good place. And the other person is either like half in, half out or like totally resistant. And if that's the case, it's almost not going to work. Like both people really need to be in it. Yeah, great. Actually, I lied. Two more questions. How do you stop thinking about relationships finding a partner so much? <laughs> I can't answer this one. You can take this. <laughs> Wait, why not? No, I mean, well, that was one of my biggest problems, I think, is I always, always focused on the fact that I was single or like wasn't finding someone like I, the fact that I was dating, trying everything and it wasn't working out. And um, I, I mean... I do have like the answer is like, I really think it's so important to think about all the other things you have going for you in your life. You know, maybe you don't have a romantic partner to love and to love you at this moment, but that doesn't mean your life isn't still filled with so much love. That doesn't mean you don't have friends and family and um, a job maybe that you love or some like volunteer work that you do that you love, some type of hobby, passion, or that like maybe you're, maybe something's going great in your career. Maybe you just got this great new apartment. Maybe you joined a club and made some great new friends. Like there are so many amazing things happening for you. But and that's that was the case for me for so long, but I couldn't enjoy them. I couldn't focus on them or be proud of myself for them because I was always just so wrapped up in the fact that I didn't have the partner that I was looking for and that my dating life wasn't going the way I wanted to. And so I think it's it's really tough, but you have to consciously think of like good things in your life and, and good people and those sources of love that you do have. And in focusing on that, you will end up like feeling better about yourself. You'll end up being better about yourself. And I think that actually does help you lead to getting into those relationships that you want. Yeah. I mean, what you're talking about, I like to call it building a big life, mm -hmm. right? You build a big life with pets and volunteer opportunities and career and, volu and volunteer and volunteer some more and um, activities and sports and, you know, wellness and yoga and, you know, build a big life and, and also make room for somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. Like, don't be so busy that there's no room for somebody else. And I've talked to a lot of people that are like, yeah, I have a big life. I already have all that. I have all that and I don't have the dude or the gal or the whatever. Um, and, and they desperately want that, you know, and to not have that just means sort of like they're, they feel failing. like uh, they're failing. Yeah. I feel like a failure. And in my experience, like I've, I've spent like big parts of my life single, you know, big parts of my life. And what I've come to find useful is to accept the fact that my life is just not exactly where I want it to be in any given moment. Yeah. Right? Like when I've not been in a relationship and I've really wanted to be in a relationship, I go, man, I would really love to be in a relationship. And I accept the, the fact that I'm just not in one right now. And that's okay. Yeah. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It doesn't mean you're never going to be in one. It doesn't mean you're falling behind. Like, I, I think a big problem for me is, and, and from a lot of my friends, is like feeling 
like we're we're now in our late 20s and some people are incredibly single some people are getting married some people are starting to have kids and so it's a really confusing time period for our friendships where we were always in the same place and now none of us are and i think that puts a lot of pressure on people even like even me in my relationship like I love the pace that Jake and I are moving at. It's perfect. I wouldn't want it to be any faster. I wouldn't want it to be any slower. But then I see my friends getting engaged. Like I'm a bridesmaid in so many upcoming weddings. Like my friends are getting married. And I'm like, oh, well, like maybe I need to be doing that. Like maybe like we're going too slowly because we're not doing that. And it's like, no, like I have to calm, like kind of calm down and take a step back and enjoy where I'm at rather than always looking for the next thing. And that's really hard to do. Well, I think, excuse me, I think it's extra hard for women who want children naturally with their partner, right? There's an added pressure there. And I wish I had an answer that was more satisfying than like, you know, accept the fact that that the, the thing you've been dreaming about for so long might not play out the way you want it to, right? And that's just the reality. I mean... I think it's more painful to deny yourself the reality than it is to accept that where you're at is just not where you want to be. Yeah. No, it's, I forget where I was reading this the other day, or maybe it was like a TikTok video or something I saw, but it was like, like single people hate being told like, oh, it'll happen when you least expect it. Stuff like that. And I think that that's, it's really true where it's like, we go to our friends, or like we, we vent to people about it and they're like, oh, but like, it's going to happen for you. Like, you just don't know when, or like, it'll happen for you soon. Like the next person you meet will be the one. Like those, the, hearing those things isn't actually helpful. It's a platitude. Yeah. It's, it's what, what is really helpful is to say something like, that sounds really hard. Yeah. I, I hear how important it is for you to be in a relationship, how important it is for you to have a child, how important it is for you to be married. And it must be really disappointing to not have that right now. Yeah. And then hold space for someone, not just bypass their emotional experience. Yeah. Very rarely do we want to say that it'll all work out in the end. We know it'll all fucking work out in the end. You know, like we've been getting that message our whole life. We don't need to hear it from our friend when what we really want is someone to hold space for us and to just sort of like be there for, for our disappointments. Exactly. Okay, last one. Connected to an earlier question. Are guys turned off by chasing? I don't want to play games and I don't want to suffocate either. Oh my God, suffocate. Okay, go ahead. Are guys turned off by chasing in a sense of like they... Can you explain that to me? Yeah, I guess we're supposed to read between the lines here. Um, (laughs) Are guys turned off by women chasing them? There we go. I think there's a difference between chasing and like asking for what you want or being bold. I think, yeah, like I I do think guys are turned off by being chased. Literally chased. Like guys don't want to be like flooded. Like, oh, like when can I see you next? Like, are we going to hang out this weekend? Like they don't want that. Like no one wants to feel suffocated like that. But they also don't, I, I think, I think there's a balance. Like you have to find the middle ground of just like being straightforward, like not playing games in either direction and not being like not overwhelming someone. Yeah. Balance. I mean, there's a difference between, I think, uh, expressing interest and being forward and chasing and suffocating somebody. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely like begged guys to stay or like tried to, justify like why they should want me and and no guy wants to hear any of that 
the second I'm doing that, like it's already over if I'm trying to do that. I'm just digging myself into a deeper hole and I'm going to feel really badly about the fact that I did that later and it's going to be forever embarrassing. Like don't ever do that. But yeah, let someone know you're interested in them once, (laughs) maybe twice, but no more than that. (laughs) Yeah, ask them on a date and if they say, if they say like, if they say yes, cool. If they say no, cool. If they say maybe, well, that's not cool. Not cool and, and don't, ask again, let them come to you. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So you've begged people to stay before? I mean, I have too. Oh, yeah. I want to be clear. I have. You're right. It was over by the time I was begging. I I hate to think about about it. It's really embarrassing. Um, But yeah, I I totally have. And it's been... I got broken up with at an Indian restaurant in San Francisco, Pakwan, if if anyone's listening on 16th and Valencia, because... She didn't want to do it in private because she knew that I was going to convince her not to break up with me. Wow. And I did. I did. I brought, I convinced her to come back to my house to take a bath. I don't know what. That's yeah. your move? <laughs> that was my move. We did. We took a bath. It was nice. It was sweet, you know, but it was the break. It was a break up bath. Break up bath. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a sort of a new age kind of hippie kind of dude. You just can't tell. Yeah. No, I see that for you. You do? I do. I see that. Do you love it for me? I love it for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Alana, where can we work with you, find you, listen to your podcast? Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so pumped to be here. Um, You can find me... Well, you can listen to Seeing Other People anywhere you listen to podcasts called Seeing Other People. You can follow Seeing Other People on Instagram. um, And then I'm at Alana.Dunn on Instagram and TikTok. And you're verified on Instagram, just FYI. Yeah, I am. Got that black. Pop champagne when I did. (laughs) I I would do the same. I would pop non-alcoholic champagne. Um, I was also a guest on your podcast. It was one of the most fun experiences. Can you come back? Because, and I've never asked somebody to come on again, but like without a doubt, like people's all time favorite guest episode, like I still get DMs about it. <laughs> what do they love about it? At every, like our, I guess our dynamic or conversation, like everything. I don't know. We've got great podcast chemistry. We do. We do. Yeah. Go us. Let's love it. For let's us. do it again. Let's. I love it for. Let's do it again. Great. So yeah, okay. go go. Stay tuned at seeing other people for ne- for part three. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And then um, uh, last question is, what does love mean to you, Alana? Oh, wow. I think love means being with someone who allows you to feel like your most, like truly your most self if that makes sense. And and that can be like a friend, a romantic partner, a family member, like whoever it is that makes you feel like you're your best version of you and and you're most yourself. Um, And hopefully you're also allowing them to feel that way. I think that's love. Yeah. It kind of goes back to you and, you know, wanting to feel safe in yourself. Totally. Thank you for your time and for your wisdom. Thank you. I'll be here all day. (laughs) 